0: It was the best of times, it was the worst of times, it was the age of wisdom, it was the age of foolishness, it was the epoch of belief, it was the epoch of incredulity, it was the season of light, it was the season of darkness, it was the spring of hope, it was the winter of despair. We had everything before us, we had nothing before us. We were all going direct to heaven, we were all going direct the other way. In short, the period was so far like the present period that some of its noisiest authorities insisted on its being received for good or for evil, and the superlative degree of comparison only. Charles Dickens, A Tale of Two Cities. I'm Taylor. I'm Brian. Welcome to the Echo Podcast. Where we
1: are looking for truth in the noise. Hey Brian, how you doing? Ooh, it, it's been a, a, rough, a rough week for all of us. How are you doing? You,
0: you, I, I feel the same. I, I can't imagine you being a pastor, having to help navigate your congregation
1: through all of this,
0: trying to make sure that their hearts and minds are still focused on, on God and Christ and loving our neighbor, because I, I, I think it's really easy for us to get obsessed and uh, kind of just pigeonholed into what everything that's going on and kind of ignore other things.
1: Yeah, and you know, people listen to the podcast on different days. We're recording this on Friday, January 8th. Yeah. So just two days removed from the events in our nation's capital, at our nation's capital. And so we're just kind of reeling like a lot of people are. And there's nothing perfect we can say in this podcast. We nope. aren't going to fix uh, everything and aren't going to give you the absolute perfect words to guide you through, but... We hope that we could just be pastoral in nature, and caring in nature, and maybe just help you kind of think along and process in some encouraging ways, and to also honor God in all of this, because it can really be difficult to do that.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think a really good question that we get to ask ourselves is just, how should we talk about the events that happened in D.C.? Uh, can we even talk about the events as, as Christians, as ministers who we're responsible for spiritual guidance and direction to people that we kind of feel the weight of what's happening. Cause we, I know you and I both know Christians on both sides of the aisle. So mm-hmm. how should we talk about what's happening in, in DC and just kind of our own political climate in America?
1: Yeah. You know, we've uh, quoted James a lot, uh, because we don't want to be part of the noise problem. Yeah. And so being uh, quick to listen, and and slow to speak and slow to become angry. And when we uh, disobey that command, we get ourselves in lots of trouble. We can do damage to relationships that we may not be able to repair, at least for a long time. And so uh, I would say, just as an overall principle, we want to speak cautiously and carefully and with compassion to people. Um, And I think listening to people, that's one thing that I've uh, learned just how people think differently about this, and I've been surprised at how differently they can think. And I'm not even just talking about how they mentally are thinking through the events that happened. Of like, what about this? What about this? What about this? Right. I'm just thinking about like emotionally how yeah. they're processing through. From man, this is a bummer, and I'm or I'm so angry, or I am emotionally wrecked and feel traumatized. Like, I've talked to people in all of those places, and so just listening to people gets us in a in a better place to respond.
0: And that's really hard because there's so many conflicting ideas and interpretations and perspectives. And I think if we're not careful, we'll become consumed with figuring out the right way to look at things or the right group to side with. Uh, and the reality is that um, we're on God's side, and that, that's a weird thing to say. Mm-hmm. But if God is for us, then— who can be against us? So we need to make sure that our actions, our attitude, our thoughts, they point people to God. Not you know, righteousness is far more important than being right in the
1: Christian's mindset. Yeah, there there were people, um, you know, that we saw on TV that were saying things, um, and that were opposed to each other, that were doing stupid things, that were waving stupid Confederate flags. There were people doing some stupid things, yeah. and all of them are my neighbor. Yeah, And so I have to, before I begin speaking, I need to remind myself that Jesus has called me to love my neighbor, yeah. and if I love my neighbor, then that impacts how I speak about them. And it doesn't mean I can't point out wrongdoing, right? but they're my neighbor, so it has to be from a place of love that has to direct how we speak about people. Uh, because that's what Jesus called us to and you're exactly right. Uh, we play by different rules. Yep. You know, we're not playing by the rules of this world, and so we have to be different.
0: I like a conversation my wife and I had is that we recognize that politics affects us, but it doesn't control us. What happened in D.C. will definitely affect us, mm-hmm. um, but it is not the thing that determines what we do. Politics affects us, but it doesn't control us. It doesn't manipulate us, ultimately.
1: That's a great statement, because it it certainly feels like it controls and ma- manipulates yeah. uh, our culture a lot. A lot of us, a lot me, a lot. Sometimes yep. it can it can flip. And I I read I can't remember who said this. Um, how Christians need to be aware and sometimes just purposefully disentangle themselves from the politics of the world. And I thought that was a, a good thought because we can become so entangled that it it then it it controls us.
0: Yeah, definitely. You said that there's a lot of conflicting responses to this, and people aren't entirely sure how to react. Um, I'm reminded that in the book of Psalms, lament is an acceptable form of worship, and God actually hears us when we cry. Isaiah says that God is near the brokenhearted. So can we lament before we talk about this and before we speak to our neighbors about these things?
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of just the first thing we want to help people to do is to take some time, maybe even some set-aside time to get your journal out and just lament, like, God, I'm sad about this. I'm sad for the loss of life. Uh, you know, we woke up this morning to the news that a police officer passed away from injuries over the night. We, we need to lament that. I don't know his family or his kids or his friends, but we, we can lament that. We can lament the loss of life, the injuries, the pain, the anger, uh, all of that. And when we read the Psalms, David does so much lamenting, yeah. and God included that in our holy book, yeah. <laughs> in our scripture. It's
0: really encouraging mm-hmm. that I can come to God with my sadness, with my um, the tension that I feel with how I want things to be and how they mm-hmm. truly are, and He gets to lovingly comfort me Um Because I think at times there's a danger here that we're not going to be honest with how we feel about how things are going. We'll tell God the truth, but we won't be honest with him.
1: Yeah. And David, uh, the psalmist, would have not been a man after God's own heart if instead of lamenting to God, he would have just let bitterness rage in him for his life. And so uh, I I would encourage you to find a time to lament. Um, we, uh, We can just list those things out. It doesn't, it doesn't have to bring you... In fact, it helps you heal from some of the anger yeah. and be honest with God, and God can come to you and begin to heal you in that. Um, and that might be something you do uh, alone. It might be also something you do with a, a spouse or family or a close friend. Uh, we had a, had a couple of neighbors who spend time with us over uh, on New Year's Eve, and we actually just spent a minute or two Uh, lamenting some things from 2020 i thought that'd be a good way to end the year yeah and then we you know put on our party hats and and uh partied once the clock striked and um ate your black eyed um, peas didn't help we that no that's (laughs) not a party um (laughs) i would have lamented no i don't with enough ketchup but but we we had this moment that was that was that was really good just to be like god there's some stuff that really hurt this year Mm. But then God, thank you for the newness that you bring to us every morning. And so we do encourage you with that.
0: You know, lament is also not only a type of worship, but it's also a type of prayer that we get to Mm -hmm. talk to God um, and be honest and vulnerable with him. Um, So another question is, can we pray before we speak? Yeah. I I feel like that's just kind of like a, yes, of course, obviously. But how many people are going to do that? How many people are going to take the time and to hear what God thinks about this? Um, Prayer is a, it's not a one-way dialogue; it's a two-way conversation.
1: Yeah, I I, I had a friend that um, called me and was just asked, talking to me, a, a ministry friend. What are you gonna say? Yeah. And it was really good for for me because I wasn't at a place where I was really ready to say a whole lot. I had a few thoughts, but it it forced me to think. Well, I better just pray some more mm. because I'm not ready to say anything of value. Um, but uh, that was really helpful. So praying before we speak. And when we say speak, we're talking verbally on social media, right uh, What on a tech, whatever. that's yeah. that's communicating.
0: Any conveying of your thoughts on an issue, your opinions, that that's speaking. So we've so lamenting and mm-hmm. praying, but I would think that the next one's probably going to be the hearts for people, and that is, can we listen? before we speak. Um, in our culture, knee-jerk reactions are the go-to. We have 24-hour news sources. We are in constant communication with everyone. Everybody has to have a fully formed opinion of something
1: mm-hmm. when
0: it happens. And yet the reality is, especially as Christians, we need to kind of listen first.
1: Yeah, it's it's one thing to enter a conversation with the hope to prove your point and to win people to your side. Yes. <laughs> it's a whole other thing to come and say, like, how are you? Like, how are yeah. you processing through this? I, I actually sent a note to our church staff and just said, hey, do you all... Can can we get together and, uh, during the lunch hour and just listen to each other? And it was really good. We have some staff that come from very different backgrounds, mm-hmm. and that was so good because they had different perceptions and different emotions. And I was just really humbled to see how they listened to one another and learned from one another and even said, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about it like that. Mm. So it was really, really a good thing because now that will equip them to enter other conversations with more compassion uh, than, than we would have had before.
0: So if you're like me, I'll, I, I get a lot of information and direction from people who I trust and whom I respect and whose yeah. opinions really matter to me. Um, so how important is it for us to get advice before we speak?
1: Yeah. And I think it's really important, especially when, when we post something online or make kind of like a bigger statement, yeah. uh, we really need to do that. I've had several uh, preacher friends send me things and say, like, what do you think about this? Um and or or how would this be presented to mm. our folks? And some people call me and say, like, what, what about this? We're trying to, you know, pastor our people through this. And I really appreciate that. And I've done the same thing. I, I will not make a big public statement about this without running it by a few people. And I think we ought to all just be in the habit of saying, like, hey, what do you think about this before we go? Social media is such a dumpster sometimes because... We, we never ask advice and we never even make statements open to um, people. I, I, I like it if somebody makes a statement and at least says, if you disagree with me, that's okay, let me know why. Yeah, That softens things so much and it means you have an attitude of listening, but yeah, getting advice is really important.
0: And kind of what we're talking about, it all circles around this idea of relationship, especially yeah. what relationships... Can sustain the actual conversation. Um, so, a healthy question, uh, I think, is: Is our relationship strong enough to actually have this conversation? And which people should you not talk about this with? That that level of discernment as a minister. How does that? How does this question affect your interaction with your, your congregation and with fellow ministers?
1: Yeah, that I, I just picture this kind of bridge, and that's that's the relationship, and I think there's is that relationship strong enough to bear the weight of this conversation? Mm. And so if the conversation is January 6th, Washington, D.C., that's a truck that is loaded down with weight. A monster truck. Yeah, so is that thing going to just break the bridge and snap it or not? Mm. And so if we're really going to engage and have a long conversation or a back-and-forth with somebody, then I want to make sure that it's strong enough to withstand that. Because mm. if the relationship's not strong, it's just going to be two people debating and arguing. It's probably not going to be very productive, mm. And uh, at least if both people aren't really committed to learning from one another. Right. So uh, I think that through—I'll I, I, say some things you know, publicly or as a preacher where I don't know the relationship I have with everybody hearing them. <laughs> sure, so, sure. So there's some nuance with that. Uh, But I I think it's the back and forth stuff. Yeah. So uh, there was somebody who uh, I had posted something that was just kind of in the, hey, Jesus reigns above all of this kind Mm. of idea. Right. And somebody decided to bring in a really partisan take to that comment. Mm. And I realized, like, I don't even know them. Right. And my kids... I haven't spent much. I just got home, and in fact, it was my wife who's like, hey, so-and-so, do you know who this is? They just made this comment on your social media page. Yeah. And in that moment, I could have ignored my family and argued with this person or tried to change their mind, and I thought, uh, I think I'm just going to delete that and move along with my day. Yeah. And so there's, there's times that we have to just think about, like, is this worth my time? not just worth my time, but our time. Is this right. healthy? Will this be productive at all? Right. And so there's times that I try to enter those, but there's times that we just should not.
0: Well, you can't control the conversation. I mean, that's the, the whole point of a conversation is that back and forth, that engagement into um, as honestly as you can actually have that dialogue. Um, so from our side of the conversation, some questions that we should ask ourselves are, am I speaking truth? Now that doesn't mean am I right? But but am I speaking truth? Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't mean my neighbor's wrong. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean they're idiots. Doesn't mean they're stupid. It means am I speaking truth? Is this helpful? Is it in line with biblical prophetic speaking? And mm-hmm. if not, how should I deal with that?
1: Yeah, when when something happens like on Wednesday, and our news breaks so fast, yeah. oftentimes it's just you know Joe Schmo with his Twitter feed that actually might break a story, and he might very well break the right story. Right, right. So we're getting this information so quickly, and we have these knee-jerk reactions to like, well, this is what it must be. And I think, again, if we rush, then we may not speak the truth. Mm. If we listen to the wrong people, we may not speak the truth. One of my pleas, like begging, Christians brother, Christian brothers and sisters, is to verify, verify, verify things yeah. before they speak them verbally to people, argue them, or certainly post them online, because God is not a God of lies, right. and some of the research actually shows that Christian people are more apt to spread lies yep. online, and there's probably some psychological things to that or whatever. Yeah. I don't think it's out of bad intent. No, it, uh, no. Typically, I think it's not being careful and really committed to finding that. What I what I would encourage people to do is we're so forward-thinking that it would be really good to look back at the things we've believed hmm. or promoted right. in the last few months and see, did those things hold up? Did those stand the test of time? Or did I get a piece of information from somebody, spread it, and then find out that that actually wasn't true Because my disappointment with a couple of friends this week were sharing things with me that weren't true. And when they got debunked, then they shared other things with me from the same source that wasn't (laughs) true true. the first time. And at that point, I'm like, I can't just keep playing whack-a-mole forever.
0: You know, it's like people get trapped in their own echo
1: chamber. (laughs) (laughs) We should come up with a podcast. We should. We should roll the credits (laughs) right now. Yeah.
0: You you know, I I appreciate reviews that say that we have a good sense of humor about these things. And I think it's because we understand who's really in control. We're not trying to diminish and and demean what's happening. Yeah, this is really hard. We also recognize that this isn't the end-all be-all, that if joy is eternal, then then we can have humor, Um, not about what's happening, but about how we're responding to it, I I, I think. Um, But don't confuse our humor with hatred, No. Some people, if you listen to some comedians, they can be very antagonistic and very demeaning, and it can come across as being hateful. So I I think a question to ask ourselves is: Am I causing hate?
1: Yeah, that question has actually made me like pause sometimes, where I have an angle, but in that angle, am I inviting you, enticing you, encouraging you to hate another human being? Yeah. And that can't be in line with what Jesus has no. for me. Does that give you more pause than am I speaking truth? I mean, I, th- I think they both do. There's okay. both been times. But I in fact, I think the truth one is easier for me to think through. Because if I'm thinking truth, I might be thinking, well, like this is, and not just like all of God's truth and Bible truth, but like this actual right. story. Am I presenting it correctly? Right. Um, I naturally think about that, but sometimes in speaking about that, I might speak about that in a way that's going to encourage you to hate people. Mm. And so I even think about that when I talk to my kids, when my kids ask me about, like, what happened with this? you know, news story or whatever. Right. Whenever it was, and I want them to know what happened, but I also don't want them to hate somebody because they know what happened, and so right. we need to, you know, here's what happened. But you know what? God calls us to pray for that person too.
0: At which which point do we say we have done the best we can to love our neighbor and to love God and that we are not responsible for how people respond to what we're saying and what we're doing?
1: Yeah, there's a place there. I don't know where exactly the line is. Um, I guess I want to at least encourage people to love and care for others, even if um, they may choose not to. Right. But at, at least when I'm speaking I want to encourage people towards that. Gotcha. So,
0: well, then what about the people who don't say anything? We've been talking about how to have the conversation, the heart behind the 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 dialogue, the engagement, but um but some people are going to be quiet. Some people aren't going to say anything, and there may be some wisdom in that to not say anything and to, oh, yeah. and to withhold. But at which point is the silence deafening? And and is it deafening?
1: It yeah, it can it can be. And I know when Christians have not spoken up against injustice, mm. and I'm, just, I'm not talking about this week, I'm just talking historically, that is crushing to the people who are victims of that oppression whatever that, or that injustice, what that might be. Uh, you want someone to speak on your behalf, and right. we see the prophets in the Old Testament doing that. We mm. saw Jesus um, doing that. And so we want to be people who speak against injustice and right. for the person who's suffering and when we are silent about that, it is hurtful. Yeah. And at the same time, like we can't speak about every injustice that happens in the history of the world, or we, there's just not enough hours in the day right. to do that. So that means there's discernment at play here of like, yeah. when am I sure that I'm speaking truthfully and still in love, but speaking up to give voice to that? Uh, I have found that as I've... Written a few pieces. I I wrote a piece, um, gosh, uh, last spring about Ahmad Arbery and uh, some of the injustice that happened with his killing. Right. And I heard from some people that were really upset um, and were really defensive that I said that. A few people. Yeah. Uh, I I don't think they understood a few things. I dialogued with them. Hmm. But I heard from a gazillion more people who were kind of on the fringes or people of color who were saying thank you so much, because I had not heard a, a church leader speak up against this, hmm. and it gave it gave them a bridge to the gospel, right? And so that's what we that's what we really want to do. And at the same time, uh, I've been criticized sometimes for not speaking up enough, and yep. I, I just realized like I probably am not going to please everybody in this, but we have to do what we think God is calling us to do.
0: Definitely, uh, the, the scriptures um, scripture gives us not exactly the best and easiest guidelines, I think, for how to uh, honor those in authority or how to recognize that people who have positions of authority that, you know, are they there because of God wanting them to be there? Are they the Antichrist? I think we've heard that yeah. in, in the past two elections, both sides have claimed Antichrist, anti-Messianic themes yeah, for yeah, both yeah, yeah. parties. And is is the, do you have any just helpful advice on how we can— to be honest, lo- love our neighbors in politics, especially those in leadership. How do we honor those in authority when we either vehemently disagree with them or support them to the nth degree? How do how do we engage in this idea of honor?
1: Yeah, just four things, super fast. Mark Altragi, I'm going to steal from him, but he says, uh, just basing this from First uh, Peter uh, two. You can also read First Timothy uh, two. To honor the president means we recognize that God has placed uh, them there and uh, it, or God has allowed them to be placed there. Right. Um, and and that, that God can have a sovereign role regardless of who the president is. Um, to honor the president or the person in authority means that we should be subject to them and uh, that's what First Peter 2 says. And that was with Nero and Domitian. One of the two w- was the emperor. We're not quite sure. There's people who disagree. Right. They were both terrible. Awful. <laughs> and so uh, to say that is really shocking. Um, number three, to honor uh, our president does not mean we must agree with everything uh, they say uh, or that we must commend or condone it. Uh, there might be times we rebuke that. And lastly, to honor uh, our president does not mean that we must obey laws if they require us to disobey God.
0: But the Bible, we have clear examples of people obeying laws that were against their religion. Oh, wait, no, what am I thinking of? I'm thinking, no, that's not what I'm thinking of. (laughs) I'm thinking of like Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. These guys, civil disobedience,
1: Mm -hmm. right? But it
0: was uh, good civil disobedience. Right.
1: They obeyed for a while. Yep. But then there was a place where they said, "Uh, I'm still gonna only pray to my God. And so... Uh, there's there's gray areas in that. There's gray areas all through this. And as a church leader, my biggest struggle is when do I keep my mouth shut so I don't burn down bridges to the gospel? Mm -hmm. And when is God calling me to speak prophetically into this injustice or this wrong? And it just takes discernment. I don't have the perfect answers. So if you're feeling confused, welcome. Welcome And that may be where God wants you to be is somewhere wrestling with that tension.
0: So let's echo this back. There's a danger with following people who say that they have all the answers, and we certainly don't want to come across as if we do have all the answers. Rather, these are some good questions and healthy disciplines that we're going to engage in as we navigate through this strange, gray, tense season together.
1: Yeah, I had somebody call me and say, hey, you wrote Dancing in No Man's Land. How should I respond today? And I was like, I don't know. And I agree. I did write the book, but I... (laughs) Like, I've thought about this a lot, and I'm not sure exactly how to respond today, and so welcome, but the kingdom of God is good news, and so if I can leave you with one last thought, the kingdom of God is good news, God loves you, God cares for you, uh, His His rules are above the rules of this world, and so uh, stay with that, follow God, we love you too, and we hope that, that you can survive this time and, and even be... A shining light to others in, in these times. I'm Taylor. I'm Brian. And this is the Echo Podcast where we are looking for truth in the noise.